Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Welcome to Two Up Front from the Attention Era Media Studios in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And presented by Three Lions Pub, I am Simon Provan. Baxter's not here today, but for a great reason. He is celebrating the birth of his son. I don't want to give too much away and, and eat up all his thunder on that. So when Baxter's here next, I'll have him fill in all the details as as a first-time dad should. Or even a second or third-time dad, really. Share the news of, uh, of your own child. But very excited to be here today. Wishing Baxter and his wife Liz God's blessings on their new child, who I do know the name, but as I said, I'm going to let him announce it the next time he is in here. So, okay, enough of the good news as much as I would love talking about that. Usually, as we start off our show, we do the kick around. But my friends, my friends, my friends, I cannot do a kick around. I need to jump right into it. I know every soccer show out there has been talking about the Klinsman Dilemma. And I'm going to share with you my view, my frustrations, and I ask that you give me these few minutes to do so. So, first of all, we all know U.S. starts the Hex 0-2. First time ever they start a Hex 0-2. The Hex started first with the 1998 World Cup qualifying, so 97. The U.S. has usually done really well in the Hex. But what is going on? What is going on with Jurgen Klinsmann? I know there's a lot of people out there that are big fans of Klinsman. I would say I understand, but I actually I actually don't understand. I, I don't get it. What is it about him? Yes, he took Germany to third place in the World Cup. But that's about it. Was he great as a player? Absolutely. I loved watching him when I was in my youth. Absolutely loved watching him. Watching him play with Germany. I watched him destroy U.S. in the 98 World Cup. I watched him play with Tottenham. That was back in the day when you could get a game on TV once a week, once a month. But even then I was watching him. But as a manager fully in charge, even as a technical director, I couldn't be more disappointed in this guy. As I said, we start, we, meaning the U.S., starts 0-2 in the hex. Now, listen... This is worrying, because in the history of the Hex, only three teams have started with zero points after two games. And only one of those teams ended up making a World Cup. 
And that was Trinidad and Tobago in 05, making the 06 World Cup. That was it. That was 2006. We're sitting in a place that historically teams have not been able to make the World Cup. Now, I've heard a lot of pundits go back and say, well, look, they've, they've got eight games left. And in the past, they've been able to recover. The difference this time is, is they've already played one game at home where they've been invincible. All right. Let's go down the lists of Jurgen Klinsmann's firsts. Okay, fine. You want to talk about friendlies? Yes. First to win in Italy. First to win in Germany. Those are friendlies. Doesn't matter at that point. Is it cool? Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. But we're not looking for cool now. We're looking, as fans, to see the U.S. in the World Cup. Klinsman's others first. He was first to lose in Jamaica. To Jamaica, sorry. First to lose to Jamaica on home soil. First to lose a World Cup qualifier on home soil in 15 years. And I remember I was in Montana watching Honduras beat the U.S. in Washington, D.C., 3-2 to two in 2001. First time to lose 4-0 in a World Cup qualifier since 1980. Since a time when the U.S. had no business playing soccer. Since a time where the NASL, the original one, was dying off. That's what we've come back to. He's the first to have the U.S. start the hex 0-2. I don't care about friendlies. What I'm tired of are the firsts in futility. That is what concerns me. That is what upsets me. So if you are a Jurgen Klinsmann fan, say, no, he's brought this program so much farther. I don't see how you can say that anymore. And you say you want to blame the players, you want to say you want to blame MLS. Okay, let's look at the Costa Rica game. If it's the MLS players bringing down the U.S. national team, then why are the MLS players for Costa Rica burning the non-MLS team players, the U.S. team players, that don't play in MLS? Johan Venegas heads home a goal. Johan, by the way, playing for Montreal in the MLS, heads home a goal from his teammate, Christian Bolaños, who plays for the Vancouver Whitecaps. They beat who on that goal? Omar Gonzalez, who plays in Liga MX, and Jonathan Brooks, who plays in the Bundesliga. Now look, Jonathan Brooks is a good player. Omar Gonzalez is a good player. First of all, I think it's terrible that Jurgen Klinsmann, after that Mexico game, basically did nothing but blame the players. And I do think with the way he called out Jonathan Brooks, it affected Brooks in this game. Going back to this whole idea of it's got to be the MLS players that aren't doing well enough for the U.S. Well, Joel Campbell, after his first goal first goal in that Costa Rica game, he scores a second goal off of a deep cross from Ronald Matarita. You know who he plays for? New York City FC. So how is it that other CONCACAF nations are benefiting from MLS... But so many U.S. fans blame the U.S., the MLS, for bringing down the U.S. national team. My friends, it is a false argument. It is a false argument because you look around CONCACAF, so many other teams have benefited from MLS. Last time I checked, Guzan does not play in MLS. Well, he's on the roster with an EPL team, but you can argue he doesn't play in that league either. What about... 
Johnson, Chandler, Pulisic. Now listen, I'm not saying Pulisic's a bad player by any means. He's the brightest hope that we have for this team. But you've got several players. I already mentioned Gonzalez. I already mentioned Brooks. I don't buy into the argument that the MLS is at fault for this. Let's look at Jurgen Klinsmann as a tactician. There's one moment to point towards. Two moments, you could say, to point towards. He works a 3-5-2 in training. You're going against an opponent that for years, and yes, I get it, Bruce Arena used a 3-5-2 in that 2002 World Cup game, but that's because that's all the personnel he had left. There were many injuries that day. But yet he still coached the team to a 2-0 victory at the World Cup over Mexico. Klinsman uses a 3-5-2 because it worked well in training. Listen, you're not playing the Mexican national team in training. The U.S. has beaten Mexico so many times playing a 4-4-2. I don't care if it's boring soccer at this point. You want to get to a World Cup. Now, I've seen some people online say, I'd rather not play in a World Cup and figure out the system and get away from a 4-4-2. Sorry, I, again, don't buy into that argument either. Counterattacking soccer has served U.S. soccer well for years. And I personally don't think that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's gotten you to World Cups. It's gotten you to a World Cup quarterfinal in 2002. But Klinsman starts with a 3-5-2 against Mexico, and they completely destroy the U.S. in those first 20 minutes. It takes Jones and Bradley players to come over to Klinsman and say, we've got to switch to a 4-4-2. We're getting killed in this 3-5-2. And if you watch that clip, it looked like they had to argue pretty hard for Klinsman to change. But it took players to recognize a change a change needed to happen. Not Klinsman. So this is worrying. Do I think the U.S. is going to make a World Cup? This next World Cup? i got to be honest with you. I don't know. And I'm worried about it. And I have not been this worried in a long time. So, I think it is time to say goodbye to Jurgen Klinsman. Sunil Galati... It's time to get rid of him. I don't care if you're trying to save face. I don't care if, Sunil, you're sitting there saying, well, you know, this is my guy. Suck it up. Say you made a bad hire. And as far as a technical director looking under his program at U.S. Soccer, I don't care that it's only been five years. Two teams haven't made the Olympics. Numerous youth teams have not made World Cups. And now the U.S. senior national team is in danger of not making the World Cup for 2018. That is inexcusable. Well, that is my rant for the first 10 minutes of the show. I'd love to hear your comments on Facebook. Check us out there. Check us out on Twitter as well. Go ahead and put a tweet out there. Tell me why I was wrong at 2UpFrontSoccer or send it to my personal account at Simon Provan. Either way, Tell you what, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Jonathan Campbell of Chicago Fire. You are listening to Two Upfronts, presented by Three Lines Pub.
Welcome back to the Two Upfront Studios at the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Brought to you by Three Lions Pub. Good show so far. Very excited to have our first guest, as I had previewed in the opening segment. From the Chicago Fire, defender Jonathan Campbell joins us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure having you. Uh, well, Jonathan, let's get right to it. Obviously not the best of years for your organization as a whole, but personally a decent season for you. Uh, played in 33 games, started 30 of those. Just wondering if you can reflect as a whole on the season, um, perhaps your personal experience as well, and what you ha- what you hope to have going forward with the fire. Yeah, you know, I mean, just overall... Um didn't really know what to expect going in, but, um, you know, I uh, just wanted to do the best that I could and provide uh, the team, you know, what I could bring. And um, <clears throat> after the season, you know, or after the preseason, I was able to get a uh, spot and be playing a decent number of games, like you said. And I think that was great for me. Um, got a lot of development. And, you know, hopefully can learn from those games and uh, be better the next season. And then, um, you know, I, I thought throughout the season, um, there were some ups and downs. I thought at the beginning of the season, uh, we tried to play a good style of soccer and we kind of lost our way to the middle of the season. Um, and there was, you know, I'd say that was a little tough dash, but um, then I think we kind of got back on it and we're starting to play better. Um later in the season, and uh, obviously it was a little bit difficult to, uh, once we were out of playoffs, and, you know, the season kind of set in, and you know, it's hard to get a death from all the players, um, so finished up at that point. Right. Uh, a little bit of a bad connection, Jonathan. I don't know if that's on your end or my end, um, but we'll, we'll keep rolling here. <laughs> um, all right, hopefully it gets better. What's that? Hopefully it gets better. Yeah, yeah, we'll see here. Um, of course, you came out of North Carolina. What was the biggest transition from you coming from, you know, a school like North Carolina, of course, and then playing in MLS? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, the University of North Carolina, it was a, a great school for me. Um, got a lot of development, but obviously from any college level, moving to uh, the professional level, you're going to have to pick up on things. And so I just tried to do as much recovery as possible um, so that if I, you know, if I could play in games, you know, just that I was available. Um, so I wouldn't pick up any little injuries. And I thought I did a good job of that throughout the season. Um, but, you know, for me, the change is just the higher levels you go, uh, the mistakes just become more and more deadly. And as a as a center back, you just have to make, you know, as little as possible. I don't think anyone will ever be perfect in a game. Um, but the higher levels you go, when you give the opponent a chance, you know, they're going to put it away. Um, so just trying to decrease uh, those opportunities and decrease mistakes so that, um, you know, you can help your team win. Absolutely. Moving forward next year, obviously you've got a, a great teammate there in the back with Brandon Vincent. Has the manager talked to you guys at all about perhaps building around you? And of course, uh, David Akam is or Akam as well. You know, playing the way he does. Has he has he talked about how 
how to improve the Chicago Fire team? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's talked directly to us saying, you know, we're going to build a team around you guys, but I think it's just, um, you know, kind of said by their actions. Um, I think there's a lot of times where personally they could have moved to another set back or, you know, Brandon and I could have been taking our lineup more, but they stuck with us. And I think that kind of shows that they want to move forward with us, um, take up our options and, you know, just, they obviously believe in us. They have a lot of faith in us. Um, so, uh, you know, I would say that's kind of how they said it. Um, but, yeah, you know, we want to have a core returning that we want to move forward with. And, you know, hopefully from there build in players um, that can continue adding and um, hopefully just make the overall soccer better for us. Yeah, you do have uh, you, you do have a dedicated fan base down there, but of course, you know, a few fans upset with the the continual last place finishes. But it does seem I, I was down there earlier this year watching you guys take on the Portland Timbers, and and my goodness, I got to say, it, it looks like there are a lot of pieces there for the fire. But what does it take to get you guys to gel to to play consistently well? Yeah, I mean, as a player, I think about those things pretty often, but at the same time, you know, you don't really want to think about it too much where, you know, that's, it's not my position um, to be the GM or the head coach. And, sure. gosh, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's so hard for them to decide, like, you know, who's going to fit. Um, you can get, like, a tremendous player from a different league or from some, you know, another MLF team, but will he fit into your system? Will he fit with your, you know, teammates I think it's just I mean wow it, it's crazy it's got to be tough for them um, but I do agree you know I think we do have some great pieces on our team and you know I, I don't think it's I don't want to use it as an excuse um, but we had a lot of new people on our team you know and I you know the people that will return I think it'll be a lot easier for us this year um, returning guys and being able to play with them, you know, you're, you're accustomed to them, you know how they want to play, all of that. Um, so I think, you know, that can go a long ways. Um, and I uh, just, you know, hope they add the right pieces and find pieces that gel together that uh, we, you know, can play good soccer going forward. Listen, you, you set a lot of rookie records for the Chicago Fire Club. I, I have to ask you, has, has there been any communication from U.S. soccer as far as perhaps getting called up? No, no. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything from them. Um, and obviously, you know, I think I would love to play for them. It's a dream of mine. Um, but, you know, I can be patient with it, and I just have to keep after it every day and do my best. Um, and hopefully the call comes at the right time. Um but, you know, for the for the records, I think it's great. Uh, I was very fortunate to play that much. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I keep it pretty realistic in the fact that some of those, I don't know if I would necessarily want to set a lot of, like, the uh, rookie records. You know, some people came to me and talked to me about stats, and they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, you led in blocks, interceptions, um, clearances, and it's like, yeah, you know, if it comes down to it, I have to make a block. Well, I'm glad I made that block. Sure, you know? <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to be in this position where I'm having to make blocks, interceptions, and clearances all the time. 
Um, so across the league, I might have been high in that, but I don't necessarily think it's the best thing, you right. know? Right, sure. You'd, you'd rather see the team scoring all those goals and making the defenders on the other team set blocking records. and but Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I could instead make one block a game. I mean, that'd be great if it came down where I only had to make one and I made it, then I did a great job that game. And hopefully we just had the ball the whole time and I didn't have to make any more. Um, so, you know, I, I think that with that, I do think I gained a ton of experience. Um, and I think I'll be able to move that forward in the coming years and you know, use that experience. Um, but I do hope it improves where I don't have to be doing that. Absolutely. Well, any any last thoughts for us, Jonathan, especially as you do think about next year and the Chicago Fire? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it'll be good for year for us. I know it's been difficult for the fans, um, but they've stuck with us, and you know we appreciate that. Um, it's not you know it's not easy for any of us, uh, for the athletes or the fans. But you know I'm really looking forward to next year. Excited about working with the group and. Um, just getting after it again, you know? Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for spending some time with us. You know, we're just an hour and a half north of you right now, being in Milwaukee, and uh, I know Baxter and I are planning to get down to a lot more fire games. So we wish you the best of luck and, and would love to see that stadium, that beautiful stadium of yours, fill up with fans and see you guys get a bunch of wins down there. So wish you the best of luck next season. Yeah, I would love that. But uh, thanks for the call. I appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to next season. Excellent. Well, like I said, good luck with that. And, and no matter how you feel about it, congratulations on all the rookie records you have. Uh, you did for the fire. <laughs> Thank you. I do appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. There he goes. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more soccer, NWSL, MLS, whatever it may be. I'm alone in the booth, so I get to decide. We'll be right back. This is Two Up Front brought to you by the Three Lions Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front at the Attention Era Media Studios, presented by Three Lions Pub. This is Simon Provan. That's right, it's one up front today. Of course, had a uh, great interview earlier with Jonathan Campbell. And pretty soon here, I'm very excited about this, very excited about this. We're going to have Lynn Williams on the phone as well. Great uh, play with, obviously, the Western New York Flash. 14 goals on the season in the NWSL, Golden Boot winner, regular season MVP, and, of course, the great time that she just spent with the U.S. Women's National Team. So uh, very honored to have her on the show in our next segment. But first, folks, i got to tell you about what's going down at the Three Lions Pub tonight, November 17th. Check this out. It is Harry Potter Beer Night. They are going to have a Harry Potter beer dinner. They have just a few spots left. Listen to this. They are pairing Surly Brewing with four delicious courses tonight. Dinner begins at 6 p.m. with a cocktail reception. Then each course is paired with a Surly beer. Everyone that attends the dinner tonight will be placed in a raffle to win moved 
I'm sorry, to uh, to win two tickets to tomorrow's showing of the new movie Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Now listen, I, I'll admit to you, I am a Harry Potter fan. I've got a daughter who actually got me into it. My, my wife is a Harry Potter fan. My youngest daughter is a Harry Potter fan. So uh, I would love to be able to go to this event. So if you have time to make it down there, this is, this is going to be a great time for you. It's only 50 bucks a person. And when we're talking about a great raffle and a great event like this, make sure you check it out. Now, if you can't get down to Three Lions Pub tonight, do make sure to get there sometime this weekend. They're highlighted matches where they also have great beer specials there as well. Liverpool taking on Southampton at 9 a.m. And then Tottenham taking on West Ham at 11 a.m. Those are both on Saturday. So make sure you get down to Three Lions Pub or the Red Lion Pub, which is also in Milwaukee. So some great events going down by our presenting sponsor. And uh, boy, it's, it's great to see stuff like that going on. Big news coming out today. Uh, There was a planned ISIS attack on Israel's national soccer team, and apparently that has been foiled. So this was going to be targeted, apparently, with some other thing ISIS was going to do. So both of these have been thwarted. According to a statement, this is from NBC, according to a statement issued Thursday, 18 people were arrested in Kosovo and six more across both Albania and Macedonia. Police said explosive devices, weapons, electronic equipment, and a drone were recovered. Uh, police said the groups were coordinated by two Albanians who are part of ISIS in Syria. Now, Al- Albania moved a World Cup qualifying match with Israel on Saturday from the northern city of Shakhtar to a venue near the capital, Tirana, due to the fear of possible attacks by militants. So this is a, a ISIS attack again that has been thwarted, which is obviously great news, but also worrying. You know, we saw what happened with the uprisings in Egypt when Bob Bradley was coaching the national team there. A lot of people, uh, unfortunately, were killed over all of that. Um, So thankfully, it's great to see an attack like this being thwarted. So great job to the police over there. Interesting news. Uh, Of course, I'm sure by this point you've heard that Frank Lampard is leaving New York City FC and that Steven Gerrard, no surprise, has left the LA Galaxy. But Gerrard, apparently in talks already with League League One Club MK Dons, talking about being their manager. Uh, This from ESPN. Gerard confirmed earlier this week that he was leaving MLS outfit LA Galaxy and was exploring options on and off the pitch. And apparently talks between Gerard and MK Dons are at a very early stage. Of course, people are wondering, well, when did that stage happen? Did it happen when Gerard was still suited up with the LA Galaxy? Or was MK Dons waiting for him to make the announcement that he wasn't coming back? Either way, very interesting about what is going on there. Um, Other tidbit of news connected to that Thursday it was actually rumored that Frank Lampard might take over MK Dons, and he had said, no, I am not doing that. So we'll see if Gerard begins his coaching career with MK Dons. I think it'd be a, a little surprising. You would think that, if anything, Klopp may welcome him back with open arms. As he did say, Gerard was always welcome at Liverpool. And, uh, in fact, he, he even went on further to say, you cannot imagine how welcome, absolutely no problem, everything what we have already or will talk to each other about stays in this talk and stays in this situation. That's how I know Stevie, and that's how 
I am. But nobody should be worried about we having no space for Steven Gerrard. So if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I would definitely be putting my money on Steven Gerrard ending up over at Liverpool and not at MK Dons. But that is the exciting world, of course, that we live in, never knowing who's going to end up where and what rumors start where. And, well, we shall see. Either way... As that music says, it is time for another break. So just a a very small kick around today. Time to get off the practice field. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Hanging out here by myself in the Attention Era Media Studio. Either way, having a great show when we come back. Excited about this? We're going to have Lynn Williams on the phone. So make sure you stay tuned. See you on the other side. Welcome back to Two Up Front at the Attention Era Media Studios. This is your host today, Simon Provan. Very excited to bring our next guest on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. She is the 2016 NWSL Golden Boot winner, regular season MVP, NWSL champion, and now a member of the U.S. Women's National Team. Welcome to the show, Lynn Williams. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it is a uh, it is a joy to to be with you, Lynn. Before we get to your experience with the women's national team, I want to take you back a little trip back in time here to early October down in Houston, Texas. Thirty seconds left <laughs> in the NWSL championship game. Your team's down two to one to Washington. And this player named Lynn Williams does, does something she usually doesn't do. She uses her head to score a goal <laughs> and sends the game uh, into a PK shootout, which, of course, you and your teammates with the Western New York Flash end up winning. i, I, I got to ask you, can you walk me through those last few minutes of the uh, end of extra time there and then, of course, through the shootout, what that journey, that emotional journey was for you? Yeah, um... <clears throat> You know, like, it's, I was kind of speechless through the whole thing, like, the whole, this whole past month. Um, I I think there was a lot of a doubt. You know, it was a very emotional season to begin with. Um, a lot of people doubted us, um, and we kind of took on the mantra of, like, it's us against the world. And so just being in Houston and playing in the final game, like, that was, a, like, a big deal for us. And then... Um, you know, I think we've always been fighters. Um, you've seen through the whole season, we've come back uh, from being down. And and that's exactly what we did in that last game. I think there was a little bit of doubt setting in. Um, I knew that we were in the extra time of the extra overtime. And um, and so that was, it was a little scary. And I knew the clock was running down. And um, I, in that exact play, I set up in the back because we got a long throw and I was like Jess is going to get it she's going to throw the ball and we are got to get something on it and um, surprisingly Jaylene Hinkle just picked up the ball threw it in quickly Jess and I was like what is going on <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think in that moment what happened was everybody was expecting the long throw in so um, it kind of gave us time to it kind of gave Jess time to look up no pressure on her and serve in a ball and, um, and I think that ball seemed like it was in the air for like a whole minute uh, before I got on the end of it but 
in my head, I said, you know what, it's now or never, and thank the Lord that I was able to put it in the back of the net, and, and from there, I think we started building confidence, and we're like, holy crap, like, we're going to win this game, and um, luck is on our side today, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I was very confident in our PK takers, and and again, thank the Lord that we were able to finish it off, and it was a great, um, it was a great run, I guess, in the, in the final. Absolutely, very yeah. Yeah. Very exciting for probably fans, a little um, <laughs> nerve-wracking for the players. But well, and not, not only did you have luck on your side, Lynn Williams, but you also had Sabrina D'Angelo in your goal to uh, take care of business back there. She was incredibly strong during that shootout. Yeah, no, she um, she's amazing. I went up to her right before the shootout, and we were in the huddle, and I was like, Sabrina, you got this. And she had, like, this weird calmness about her. And I was like, oh, she's very confident right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that gave me confidence. So I'm like, all right, as long as we can take care of it on our end, like, she's going to do just fine. Well, and of course, you were playing the Washington Spirit, and now yourself, Sammy Mewis, uh, Doll Camper on the other side, Crystal Dunn, Ellie Krieger, you know, half the half the current national team, it seemed like, was on the <laughs> field that day, and of course, Jill Ellis was in the stands. I, I had an opportunity to interview her at the game. Uh, what, you know, what, what did it mean to, you, you knew Jill Ellis was going to be there. What did it mean to you to have such a significant game right in front of her? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, in the back of my mind, I knew she was in the stands, and um, I just wanted to have a good game, hopefully um, make an impact on her. But at the end of the day, like, I was just really focused on the task at hand, and um, playing for my club is just as important to me as playing for my country. And so um, I tried to put that on my mind, and I was like, you know what, Lynn, we, we have um, – a task right now and you just got to put your all into this and hopefully she sees something that she likes and um and we'll go from there but I try not to think about that but it was I mean it's, it's kind of hard not to because you're like playing with all these people um like you said national team people on the field and you're like this is going to be a hard game the national team coaches in the stands and that's been a goal of mine forever but you know you kind of have to like suppress those emotions and just Play Absolutely. It, it does speak volumes, doesn't it, about how important the NWSL has become in the national team picture, especially with the last four games that you've played, all the NWSL players that are playing on the national team that maybe would not have that opportunity in years past. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the NWSL has been a great platform for people to showcase what they have. And um, I think in the past when the league wasn't around, it was either you're on the national, you're on the youth national team and if you can go to a great, like, big school college, you'll be seen that way. And I think some people have slipped through the cracks through the youth system. And, um, and I think the NWSL is just another another way for Jill um, to go around and see um, players and reward good things and bringing them into camp. And um, I also think that it's just another way to grow women's soccer because every single weekend you're having, like, an amazing game. It's not like you go and to one game, you're like, oh, this is going to be an easy one. Like, every single team has amazing players, and and it's, and it's going to be a fight every single week. So um, you really grow, and it's, it's amazing. I'm so blessed to be part of this week. Awesome. Well, let's let's do focus on the U.S. Women's National Team. I, I do got to ask you about the transition. You know, you first of all, you get your first cap. Congratulations, scoring in the first forty nine seconds that you're on the field. <laughs> um, Thank you. Did did it make it easier for you to have? 
teammates like Jessica McDonald and 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 Sam Mewis and Dal- Abby Dalcamper there? Did, did it make bring a? You were talking about calmness before. Did, was there a calmness that you had in the transition, knowing that you would have your Western New York Flash teammates on the team as well? Um. Yeah. I I would like to sit here and say that I was. It was all a breeze, <laughs> but it definitely it wasn't. Um. I think going into my first camp, knowing that I had teammates um, coming in with me as well as. I wasn't, like, the only new person coming in. That was definitely a comfort. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit of transition the first couple of days. I think I was overthinking a lot of things um, just about myself and what if they don't like me a little bit socially on the field. Um, and for the first two days in camp, I, I did not play very well. I don't think I, I did well myself. And, um, and then I found out that I was going to be suiting up and um, – and I was like, that, you know what, Lynn, like, that's a win. And it sounds like you get an opportunity to dress. So, like, I was taking little strides. And and then after that day, I was like, Lynn, calm down. Like, you know how to play soccer. Um, like, go out there and just have fun with it. And and then I think I finally found, like, a calmness. And I was like, all right, it's going to be more intense. Um, the speed is a lot faster. Everybody's way more tough on the field. But at the end of the day, it's soccer. And so that's where I got my calmness, but no, it wasn't like a very, I don't think it was like seamlessly smooth. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a zen moment for you at, at any point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I still, I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun with it. The second camp, I think, went a little better than the first one. Um, yeah, it's actually something, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. In, in the two games against Romania, was you came off in both those games at the half, were you dis- yeah. were you disappointed at all? I mean, you know, you, you split time with Jessica McDonald in the first game, and then you split time with Julie Johnston in the second game. Was was it disappointing at all to not be able to play another full ninety like you did in your second game against Switzerland? Um, no, I wouldn't say disappointing. I think um, every player wants to always be out there for ninety minutes. Um, but you know, Jill is trying to look at different people, and um, we had a meeting. She said, "You know what? I want you to go out there and." Um, play like you were playing 45 and if you get more minutes that's great um but just give it your all in the 45 and I think I I did well I did score a goal but that's okay um it's something I knew I needed to I need to work on now just my like clinical and my finishing from the goal um but personally I think I did I did fine um so no I wouldn't say I was disappointed I I enjoyed playing the minutes I did and um yeah. <laughs> well, and, and again, you've you know you've had a great camp so far. You, uh, we talked about that goal that you scored, but of course you also got an assist to uh, Crystal Dunn in that second game. Uh, so it's it's been an uh, amazing year for you, Lynn, without question. Uh, my last question for you, I could I could talk to you all day long, but I know you got to get going. <laughs> uh, the off season's pretty long in the NWSL. So so what does Lynn Williams do from here until preseason starts? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, so I'm home um, until Thanksgiving, and then um, my boyfriend lives in Nebraska, so I'm going to go hang out with him for a bit. Um, I'm going to play with some boys' teams, um, just trying to get myself, you know, like it, like you said, it is a very, it's a long off-season, but it's also a long season, so... And with the national team camp stuff, I'm kind of taking some time to, like, decompress and take some wear and tear off my body. But for a couple of weeks now, and then I'm going to get back into it and 
and start training again and training hard, but um, I'm kind of all over the place right now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for spending time with us here. On Well, not with us. Usually it's us, but today it's me. Uh, thanks for spending some time with me here on Two Up Front. It's, uh, like I said, you've had an amazing year, especially an amazing October, and uh, you deserve everything you've gotten. Congratulations on all your success, and I'm looking forward to seeing you not only in the NWSL, but also in a U.S. Women's National Team jersey once again. Um, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Absolutely. Lynn Williams from the Western New York Flash and the U.S. Women's National Team there on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We have to run to another break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more soccer like we always do on this show. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front here at the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We are presented by Three Lions Pub. What a great interview with Lynn Williams that I just had. What a what a very humble lady and uh, just really a pleasure to have her on. Like I've said before, it's just, just an honor to have players of her caliber coming on this show. So great couple of interviews. Jonathan Campbell, earlier from the Chicago Fire, Lynn Williams, now of the U.S. Women's National Team, and of course the Western New York Flash. After this segment, we're actually going to welcome Dan Laletta as well. He is the managing editor of Equalizing Soccer and also the Sky Blue FC analyst. So that'll be another great conversation we have. Folks, don't forget to check us out on our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com. We've got some gear that you can check out. You can see all the amazing guests that we've had on the show. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, do feel free to send us an email at 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. All right, the next thing I want to talk about, want to spend just a few minutes here, some good news from U.S. Soccer, U.S. Women's U-20 World Cup. Started out what many people thought was going to be an ugly, well, what seemed to be a bit of an ugly game, U.S. taking on France. U.S. does end up drawing with France 0-0, which worried a few people, but from what I've been reading, what I've been seeing, the French U-20 Women's National Team is, is quite a decent team. However, it was a little bit worrying after this match to go back and look at it again. Possession was 60-40 in favor of France, and the U.S. was outshot 17-3. Again, that was in favor of France. The U.S. only had one shot on goal, but France as well really didn't do that much. When you went back and watched this game, was the U.S. a bit overrun by France? Yes, but there really weren't many threats from France. The U.S. defense played really, really well, and I think overall this was a decent result for the USA. By the back, by the way, this was back on November 14th that this game took place. So as well as as well as the defense, the midfield was pretty smooth, and it's not like the U.S. never got into the box. The, the the final third of France, they just couldn't finish their chances. And what was interesting about this is when you went back and looked then at the Mexico-Korea game, it was surprising to see, well, maybe not surprising, but how many Mexican-American players are playing for Mexico. Look, it's not a mystery. Mexico is sifting through Southern California, looking at Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. They're 
They're trying to find players in the U.S., not just on their men's side, but also on their women's side. You know, the Mexican women's program for a while was not very good, but we're starting to see them get better. They ended up beating Korea in their first game, South Korea, that is 2-0. So you might look at that game and think, wow, with all those Mexican-American players on that team, maybe U.S. soccer is missing something. Uh, But, again, to be fair, when you really watch that game, Korea couldn't connect really a single pass. There were no shots on goal for Korea. They look incredibly disconnected. I think any team that would go up against Korea is is pretty much going to beat Korea. So I don't think, for all the fans that were pointing towards Mexico as, yep, here we go, even on the women's side, we're seeing U.S. soccer fall apart. I think what Jill Ellis is doing right now with the senior women's national team is excellent. Look, she put out there a new philosophy that is not new to the rest of the world, but basically saying with how healthy the NWSL is getting to be, I'm going to start looking at different players. I'm going to start looking at younger players. I don't want players on my team to get to 200 caps anymore because they're getting pushed out by younger and better players. And she's already put that philosophy into practice. You look at these last four games, this last camp that she had, many players that had not played before, I think it was 11 or 12, got suited up with the U.S. team. Now, you look at that and say, well, I thought she was looking at younger players. You're seeing players that are 23 years old. Yes, but part of that now is, and it's what Lynn Williams and I talked about, that the NWSL gives these women a chance to say, hey, you missed me. Bring me on. You know, Jessica McDonald's a great example of that. I won't go too far into that because Baxter and I spent a lot of time talking about that. But you look at the U-20 national team. They're led by Mallory Pugh. And speaking of Mallory Pugh and this U.S. team, look, they responded from their 0-0 game against France and ended up beating New Zealand very early this morning. 3-1, to one, and reading the reports, I'll be honest with you, I didn't stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning to watch this game. Uh, but it sounds like that they had beat New Zealand pretty easily. What I do know is that Mallory Pugh is taking this team on her back and saying, let's go, let's do this. Mexico, meanwhile, lost to a very strong Germany team, 3-0. So once again, you go back to that, well, maybe the players on Mexico should actually be on the U.S. team. I think right now you got to give it more time and really, really in order to judge that. Conveniently enough, or ironically is the word I'm looking for, who do you think the U.S. plays next in their final group game? Of course, none other than Ghana. It is amazing how since Bob Bradley's team lost to Ghana, Ghana just keeps popping up in these U.S. World Cups, U.S. tournaments, whatever it may be. This is going to be an interesting game. Ghana, in their last game, drew with France 2-2. So France, the, the queens of the draw right now. But yet they lost to New Zealand 1-0. So it's, it's a matter of which Ghana team is going to show up. I think the U.S. is in pretty good shape here uh if we if we look at the group obviously i talked about france having two points with their two draws the u.s on four points with their draw and a win new zealand second in the group though with their win and of course their their loss that they had to ghana so new zealand i'm sorry new zealand had that win against ghana loss against u.s new zealand in second at three points france at two points ghana in one point so what's interesting what's very tantalizing about this u20 world cup at least in group c all of these teams can still qualify so it it all comes down to the schedule that they play again u.s loses to ghana 
they could be sitting on the outside in. Now they've got obviously they're they're top of the group with four points plus two goal differential, but they lose three nothing to Ghana. Suddenly Ghana's got four points and they're above the U.S. And then if New Zealand were to beat France, New Zealand and Ghana go through. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think France is going to beat New Zealand, which puts them at five points. I think the U.S. is at least going to draw with Ghana. Though the last time I predicted a U.S. Ghana game was back in the 2006 World Cup. That's actually where it started. I misspoke with with Bob Bradley. It started started with the 2006 World Cup in which the U.S. lost to Ghana, led by Bruce Arena. But I think the U.S. at least draws this game and wins this group and goes on through. But uh, we will have to see how this plays out. But very exciting stuff going on in the FIFA U20 Women's World Cup. By the way, that is in Papua New Guinea, so (laughs) I'm sure the women are loving being down there. All right, my friends. Once again, I do want to remind you to check out Two Upfront on our website, but also make sure you find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, of course, here on Spreaker.com. Would love to have done the show live today. Unfortunately, just had some... uh, malfunctioning equipment here wouldn't let me do it couldn't get on the internet and therefore i couldn't record this live however i'm still very excited to have the show put together and that you can still hear sit here on spreaker.com and listen to it so you are listening to two upfront presented by three lines pub i'm going to get to the end of this segment just yet just trying to find my way there see baxter see what happens see what happens when you're out here ah, i'm just kidding my friend I love the fact that you're spending time with your newborn son, and I'm excited to have you come back on the show and announce all the details. Okay, you are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Coming up next, Equalizer Soccer, Managing Editor, Dan Laletta. Welcome back to Two Up Front in the Attention Era Media Studios, brought to you by Three Lions Pub. This is Simon Provence sitting alone in the booth today as Baxter celebrates the birth of his son. I'll let him give you all the details on that. Listen, we've had a lot of great guests on today's show, and the next one that we welcome into, well, not into the studio, but on the phone line, he is the managing editor of Equalizer Soccer. He's also an analyst for Sky Blue FC of the NWSL. Thrilled to have him with us, Dan Lalletta. Welcome to Two Up Front. Hey, Simon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you on the phone, Dan. Uh, as we were off air, though, you had told me that there was some big news that came out, asked if I had heard about it. I said no, but you know what? Let's save it for the air. So, so Dan, go ahead and share that big news with us. Well, another NWSL trade came out early afternoon on Thursday, and the Washington Spirit, not surprisingly, are involved in it again. Megan Oyster this time on her way to Boston, along with the number three and nine picks in the 2017 draft. Returning to Washington, Christy Mewis, Cassie Kalman, and the right to hold the number one pick in the distribution ranking order, which I can explain if necessary. But another piece, Krieger and Nairn went already for Washington, right. and now 
make an oyster, so they're really tearing things up from the team that made the final just a few months, a few weeks ago. Uh, it certainly makes you wonder what's going on in Washington. I know Jim Gabara had come out and said, you know, it's not what it looks like, but, uh, you know, saying that he has a major plan in place. But it certainly seems odd when you're getting rid of all your big stars, your, your important players, and that the trades seem to be working out in favor of the other teams. Well, I don't doubt that Jim Gabara has a plan. The question really is, why does Jim Gabara have a plan? Uh-huh. Because if, if you go back to October 9th, heartbreak and all from losing the championship the way they did, I don't think that you could logically walk off the field that day and have trading Allie Krieger, Christine Nairn, and Megan Oyster as part of your plan. Now, Oyster makes a little bit of sense because she had lost her spot in central defense, she did play in the final and was excellent in the kind of uh, a bridge formation that Kabar plays. But I don't really believe that this could be a logical plan unless there are some outside external factors at play, which it very much seems like there are. I just don't know that we've figured out exactly what they are yet. Well, on the opposite side, you've got the Boston Breakers who are who are making a lot of moves that seem to be in their favor. Would you agree with that? Well, they have to make good on the draft picks. Uh, but otherwise, yes, I think the Breakers are having themselves a pretty solid offseason. They're not a club that has really made good on a lot of trades over the years, but it seems like maybe the McCaffrey trade could work out in their favor. It seems like maybe this trade could work out in their favor, and some of their uh, international acquisitions have been good. And I'm just looking right now at a tweet from their GM, Lee Billiard, that says, and this is an exact quote, this trade allows us to free up some cap space and the ability to change some picks into more quality, experienced players we can bring in. So the Breakers now hold the first, third, and ninth picks in the first round and also seven of the top 16 picks. But based on that tweet from Billiard, I wouldn't expect them to hold all those picks as good as the draft is supposed to be this year. Gotcha. Uh, another thing I'm, I'm wondering if you could update us on, have you heard any more about the Crystal Dunn rumors heading over to Lyon in, in France? You know, I haven't really. I do know that there is a possibility that Crystal Dunn won't be back in Washington, whether that's to Europe or whether that's elsewhere in NWSL. I'm not really sure. But, you know, if you look in the right spots, you can pretty much find some sort of a discussion about almost every prominent player in this league. That's true. Either not being happy in their situation or wanting to play in the Champions League or wanting to do this, wanting to do that. So uh, I, I, nothing has come my way that is a strong enough indicator that if it was imminent doesn't mean it isn't, but nothing has come my way that would suggest that. Uh, on the same subject, yeah. still talking about Leon. Uh, obviously they've come outright and say they, they want Alex Morgan. They've been pursuing her. Uh, there's, a, there's a nice article on Equalizer Soccer about that pursuit, but that as well. Any, any updates there? Has she hinted about wanting to go over to France at all? Everything I've heard from Alex Morgan is that she's very pleased being in Orlando, living with her husband who plays for Orlando City. Now, at one point, Leon had said that part of the package could be getting uh, contract for Alex's husband, Savando Carrasco, to play, maybe not on the first team, but on the reserve team over mm-hmm. there. But all indications to me seem like Alex Morgan is happy with Orlando, but it's hard to say what motivates each particular player. You know, sure. if you want to play in the Champions League where Leon just won 17 nil on aggregate <laughs> in the round of 16, I don't know if that is too enticing for me. 
Um, you know, do you want to make the most money? Do you want to live by family? Do you want to help grow the league in the United States? And we also don't know how the collective bargaining agreement will work itself out. So it's hard to put yourself in players' minds because everybody's motivated differently. Absolutely. Uh, well, we did have a surprise retirement that you had retweeted about as well um, from FC Kansas City, Francis Silva. You had mentioned that you thought that she was on the up and up. Any idea why the retirement or, uh, yeah, any, any inside news on that one, Dan? I didn't really see anything specific, but at the end of the day, most of these players are in the same boat. They are living the dream in terms of being professional athletes, training every day, playing in games, and being able to call themselves pro athletes. But there's a lot about that dream that is not quite as exciting as it seems like from the outside. They don't make a whole lot of money. They don't have, you know, if you want to play between September, October, and the preseason, you have to go to the other side of the world. Right. A lot of players enjoy doing it. Again, every player's motivation is different, so a lot of players don't. So I'm sure it's no different than, you know, any other player getting moving along. And, not, you know, not only do you not make money in the presence, but as you, you know, if you're 24, 25, 26, you're starting to lose ground in the field that you want to be in when you're done playing soccer. So that's another factor because, yeah, you could maybe make it work on the money until you're 34, 35, but then you want to go into whatever field that you're going to do for the rest of your life at that age, starting from the ground floor. It's, it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's tough. I, I think I read that the top salary outside of the you know national team players is about thirty three, thirty four thousand dollars. It's yeah. I mean, there's not there's not players that are making a lot of money. There's not a lot of you know. There's they're, they're not exactly starting their nest egg. Let's put it right, that way. Right. But you know, it's a passion, and and the players who are still sticking it out, you know, credit to them, and uh, we're all pleased that they're willing and able to do that and, and one day this will change but that day's not here yet correct right um well you you had teased about explaining the allocation order or the, how the process works in nwsl i've got an idea of how it works in mls but i would love for you to fill in our listeners on on how it works in the nwsl well the best i can do and <laughs> you never know because these things tend to change at a moment's notice. But right. this was a rule that was put in place about a minute before the draft began earlier this year in January. And essentially what it is is that if new players come into the league, and I'll use Mallory Pugh as an example because the Thorns, when they made that announcement, made a trade with the Breakers, got the number one priority, and at that moment they thought they were getting Mallory Pugh. So Pugh was not draft eligible because she hadn't completed her college eligibility. She would have been subsidized by U.S. soccer. So instead of having the new allocations just assigned what seems like randomly, I'm sure there's some factors that go into play behind the scenes, rather than just say, hey, Kristen Press is allocated now, she's going to Chicago. They have a priority order now, which is the reverse order of the standings from the previous season. That's not only U.S. players. Let's say Australia wants to jump in. Or let's mm -hmm. say France or Spain or whoever wants to come in and say, hey, we want to pay so-and-so and they'll play in your league. Then that player will be part of the distribution ranking order. Also, if you remember, um, Seattle got the rights to a couple of players, and I don't know remember the names of them offhand, but that was back in March. Those are players who were no longer affiliated 
with their clubs who had been previously subsidized. So oh, Whitney Ingen, if she if Boston decided they didn't want her anymore, would be part of that list, I believe. Okay. Um, okay. Now that that part of it is certainly not worth trading up. You know, the Spirit were, I guess, number nine. The Krieger trade got them to number two. This trade gets them to number one. Hmm. Is that just for show to make the trade look better, or do they know something that we don't know? It's hard. It's really hard to say, especially because in this case, and you have to flip flop. You don't. It's not like the draft where you can have like the first, fourth, and eighth priority. You switch with the other team. So Orlando drops down to number nine. Now Boston drops down to number two. But that's interesting because they could have just as easily said, "Hey, we've got the number one priority, but we just won't take player X." If they come in, we'll let you have them at number two. So, you know, that's a big wild card. If a great player comes in, then all of a sudden these trades that people are lambasting the spirit for look a lot better. But at the same time, you know, Pew never panned out and nothing ever happened. And, the, you know, the mechanism was barely mentioned again after it was put in place. So that's one of the many million-dollar questions around NWSL. Well, we know that the same questions happen with MLS. But, uh, Dan, love talking to you. Why don't you let people know where they can find you? Well, it's EqualizerSoccer.com is our site, and uh, we're fully devoted to covering women's soccer. And I'm on Twitter at ZadanLawletta, and the last name is L-A-U-L-E-T-T-A, ZadanLawletta. And... Um, yeah, give me a follow or check out the site EqualizerSoccer.com. Well, Dan, you were talking about how teams can bet better themselves with trades. Our show is definitely better for having you on the last 11 <laughs> minutes. So uh, thanks for joining us here on 2 Up Front. Thanks, I'm glad to do it. All right. You have yourself a great day, Dan. There he goes, Dan Laletta on the shopfootsold.com call in line. We're going to take a break. When I come back, we'll do a little closing statements here. A little bit of I Believe. You are listening to Two Up Front from the Attention Era Media Studios, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front at the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We are brought to you by Three Lions Pub. This is Simon Provan sitting in the booth alone today. I'm enjoying it, but it's always great to have somebody else to knock some ideas off of. Either way, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. Just type in Two Up Front Soccer or Two Up Front in that search bar. You'll find us there. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter as well, at Two Up Front Soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn, whether he's here or not, and I am at Simon Provan. So feel free to send us your thoughts that way. Usually you can hear us live Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central on Spreaker.com. Of course, today could be live, but nevertheless, hopefully you're tuning into the show and listening to the great interviews we've had, like that last one with Dan Lawletta. Just got a couple of minutes here in this last segment. Usually this is where Baxter plays the I Believe song. I would sing it for you, but I don't want to hurt your ears. So I'm going to start here with I Believe and then some closing thoughts. I think if you're out there, you'll know what my I Believe is. It's something that I really want to believe. I believe that Jurgen Klinsmann will be gone 
I would love to spend time talking about the different coaches that uh, U.S. soccer could bring into it, but I think it's very simple. I, I Maybe this is a double, I believe. I think we're going to see Bruce Arena take over for Jurgen Klinsmann, at least through the qualifying process. I don't know, maybe through the World Cup. Dave Sakran just announced that he was stepping down as assistant coach of the LA Galaxy, saying that he had aspirations to coach a club of his own. And it sounds like, actually, he's gunning for that LAFC job. I don't know if LAFC would hire somebody like Dave. I think they may want to bring in a bigger name, but we wish him the best of luck. But I also think that may send a signal that Bruce Arena may be the man in charge. Other people have talked about Ziggy Schmid. I don't know at the national team level if, uh, if, if he would be cut out for it. I don't know if the game has passed him by a little bit, perhaps. You could make the same argument against Bruce Arena, but Bruce really is a tactician, and he knows how to buckle down. Uh, and again, maybe U.S. soccer just uses him to get through, through qualifying. I've seen uh, some people mention bring in Miguel Herrera out of Mexico, who uh, obviously got fired from the, the, the fight that he had with either a photographer or a columnist, something like that down in Mexico. And people have said it'd be really cool to have him coach and, you know, just to maybe scare Mexico when they head down to Mexico City at Azteca. Either way, um, it would be interesting to see if Klinsman does get let go, who would take over for him. My friends, it's been a pleasure talking to you, talking with our guest. I want to thank Jonathan Campbell of the Chicago Fire, Lynn Williams of the Western New York Flash and U.S. Women's National Team, and Dan Laletta of Equalizer Soccer and Sky Blue FC. It's been a joy. It's been fun. Thanks for staying with me. I'm getting a little better at this production thing. Not always the best at it yet, but I'm getting better at it, and I appreciate you sticking through some of the glibs that I may have had. But it's always a joy to be in the studio talking soccer with you. Uh, Baxter, of course, you know I'm wishing you the very best, my friend. Congratulations on the birth of your new son. Like I said, I'd love to say his name on air. I know a lot of people do know already, but I'm going to save that for you, big guy. Again, check us out Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central. We will be in next Tuesday with an exciting announcement there about another sponsor. We won't be here Thursday because it is Thanksgiving that day, but do check us out usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central, live here on Spreaker. I'm Simon Provan, and on behalf of Baxter Colburn, with our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Like the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. 
We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.